You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I have ESPN's Dan Graziano with me, fresh off the combine. We talk about a number of Redskins topics, from Tua Tagovailoa to Trent Williams and more. And then it's me with your mailbag questions. I mentioned one potential free agent target at running back, and do I really think they're interested in Tua? And what have I been hearing about Dwayne Haskins' offseason? But first, my conversation with ESPN's Dan Graziano. Now I'm welcoming in my ESPN colleague, Dan Graziano. Playing a little hurt today, got a, got some stuff going on with his throat, his head congestion, whatever. So give him some props for playing hurt. So Dan, thanks for coming on. First, one of the things I want to start with is this time of the year, coming off the combine, we all know it's like there's, it's the line season, the smoke screens. How are you able to sometimes sift what's real versus what's not and what you think is a smoke screen? Well, when it comes to the draft, John, I mean, it's almost impossible. I think, um, you know, I was talking to our colleague Jeff Darlington a year or two ago, and he put it really well. He said, this time of year, everybody you're talking to is either they're, they're telling you the truth, but they don't want it out there, or they're telling you something they want out there, and it's not the truth. So, like, as a reporter, you're caught in the middle, and you really don't know what to do. But uh, the best you can do is, like, stick with the people you trust, trust common sense, you know, make sure you have multiple sources and just be careful. I mean, nobody wants like, like nobody wants to hear, you know, oh, we don't know where Tom Brady's going to go, but I don't think Tom Brady knows where he's going to go. So right. what am I supposed to do? Just like insist that I know, <laughs> even though I don't, like it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think that applies to the draft. Um, I think we have some sense of what we expect to happen up at the top, but, you know, it gets weird and, and you never really know what's, what's going to happen until that night. Do you, do you, is there some, I mean, listen, we, again, we both cover this, but I'm just curious from your perspective, are there times, you know, like that's definitely a smoke screen. Stop, stop telling me that. Sure. I mean, there are times, I mean, you know, I, I think there, you know, I remember two years ago, like I came back from Indy and I was like, there's no way the giants aren't taking Saquon Barkley unless the team in front of them does, unless the Browns do. Right. Uh, it's like, you knew that they were all in, right? So anything that came out about them trading down and whatnot, like you knew that that was, so there are times, where that happens. Um, I, I think we're at, I think we're at something close to a hundred percent sure on Burrow to the Bengals, you know, I think, right. so I think if you hear other things like, oh, the Bengals are meeting with Tua and they like Justin Herbert and maybe they'll trade down. I, I just, I kinda, I, until you start hearing that more and from more reliable people, uh, I think you have to kind of treat it with uh, some grains of salt. And you know, when you're, for some of these rumors, how many people are you going to try and check? And I know, listen, I am going to ask how many people you want to try and check it out with. Sometimes it's just asking the right person who's that you trust right. and know. But 
is there do you how do you go about trying to ferret it out well i i think i'm in terms of ferreting it out i think it's early right like right i think at this point to try and ferret it out would be almost a a, a fool's errand because you know we're still two well a month and a half away and and so much can change so to try and pin someone down uh, is probably a mistake at this point because they want if something what if something happens that that changes what the truth was on March third. Uh, so I think at this point it's really just, as you know, John, conversations. What what do you hear in these conversations? Jotting down stuff that might be said, you know, off the cuff or when you say, hey, what are you hearing? And then just sort of kind of filing it away and then seeing how much you hear it and from whom. You know, Chris Mortensen told me when I was starting at ESPN, like he always t- he takes notes on his sources. He grades his sources. Huh. And, and uh, you know, if, if he has somebody who's consistently giving him information that turns out not to be true, then he knows, you know, going forward, I'm not going to necessarily trust this person or I'm going to check it out extra hard. Whereas he, if he's right. talking to somebody who's literally always right, you know, maybe he's more inclined to lean on that person. So um, whether you do that scientifically or whether you just sort of do it you know, in your, in your mind, like, oh, I know for a fact, this is a reliable person. Uh, that's, that's kind of how, that's, that's kind of the way I look at it. And, and at this point in the process, you know, we're getting a little closer on free agency. On free agency, you're starting to try and pin people down in the next couple of weeks. But on the draft, especially, you find out who people like, find out how happy they are with their spot. You know, I, I think the Detroit Lions want out of the number three spot. You know, I don't, and not that they, they get to stay put and take a very good player especially if Chase Young falls in. But uh, I think that, you know, you get a sense talking to people close to that situation that they would move, you know. So you, you start to get an idea what might happen, even though, it, but you have to remember that nothing's set in stone yet. You know, and it's funny too, because there are sort like we all have, and there's some sources that I have. It's like, if I'm getting it from this guy, this guy has never lied to me in the couple of years I've right. dealt with them. And then there's some, when you're just starting that relationship, you sometimes like, I'm going to check it out with somebody else because I don't know yet if this guy, how much I can trust this guy, which, which of course leads us back to the Redskins because a lot of the speculation and a lot of the smoke is coming out about them at number two. What do you buy with their intentions at number two? I have the impression that Chase Young is the most likely pick there. Assuming the Bengals go Burrow at one, which I am. Um, I think, you know, I think Washington, looks at what the 49ers did this year and says, wow, five first round draft picks in their front seven. That's a pretty good formula. We're one away. Right? Right. <laughs> if Kerrigan comes back, then you, then you draft Chase Young, then you've got five up there. Right. right. So, right. Um, uh, so I think that's, that's very tempting. I think you know, when you look at Chase Young and you talk to people about him, absolutely you know transcendent talent i mean like you know people who evaluate the draft for us are saying better than the bosas you know like this is in terms of what kind of prospect he is not how right. but, but i mean like projecting him and i think um you have an opportunity to get somebody like that who can be a an anchor for you at a vital position you're going to use the number two pick on a player it's got to be a very important position it's got to be quarterback or edge rusher or you know number one receiver or left tackle or what shut down right. corner. And I don't know if there's another position that would even, and I'm not sure all those do, but number right. two pick, if you can get somebody who can throw the ball or can prevent a guy from throwing the ball, uh, that's what you have to look for. And I, you know, it's funny because the Niners thing to me is there are def, there's definitely a parallel of the impact that Bosa 
and then also trading for D Ford made with the pass rush. Um, yep. But you know, the other thing is Del Rio and Rivera, they've coached guys like Julius Peppers, Khalil Mack, Von Miller. So they know what a guy like Young can do for that defense. No question. Unlock everything. I mean, look at Bosa last year. You just pointed out like that. Those guys, they, they had a terrible defense the year before with a lot of the same people and same coaches. And like a guy like that who dominates at that level instantly. And I'm not, I don't know if Chase Young will do that, but he seems like he's capable of doing that. And if he does, it unlocks everybody else. I mean, you know, he made Eric Armstead a whole bunch of money, I'm sure, on the free agent market yeah. to come, right? I mean, DeForest Buckner, had he was good anyway. But, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I think D. Ford probably played better than he would have if, if Nick Bosa hadn't been there. So, yeah, I think that's – it's more than just, oh, let's go get an edge rusher. It's a, hey, we like our defensive front, we being Washington in this case. If we can add to a strength and make it a dominant strength, Right. That helps us overcome some of our shortcomings in other areas and might make us a really, really tough team to play, if nothing else. So and just and I don't know how much you talk to people about you know, the Tua situation. And for, just to let some listeners know, I also want to plug that what you and Jeremy wrote after the combine, some really good notes in there on ESPN.com. So just plugging that a little bit. I think that was ESPN Plus. Thank you. Oh. I think it was ESPN Plus, so I don't want to get yelled at by people who tell me that you have to pay for it, but it's worth it. So um, okay. anyways. We want, what are, we want like, people what, to sign up for ESPN Plus. Yes. So in, what, what are some of the things that maybe – did you hear some chatter about the Redskins and Haskins or even, you know, or what they think about him or, and, or, or in relation to Tua? I think it's, it's new coaching staff that wasn't there when he was drafted that likes – Haskins as a as a prospect and likes a lot of things about him, but is going into this with the definite impression and opinion that he has work to do, that he is not a finished product, that he is that he's not the you know the the professional starting quarterback that they need him to be yet, but they believe he has the tools to get there. So right. can you get him there? And when are you are you looking to contend this year? And if that's the case, do you need someone else while he continues to develop? And I think they are looking at all options. And one of those is plugging Haskins in and, and starting him. And, and others are, you know, maybe there are, there are going to be a lot of very interesting veteran quarterback options on the market. I don't think any of us has any idea how to gauge the Alex Smith situation. So I think, and then so you're sitting at two, and why not meet with the quarterbacks at the, at the combine? Why wouldn't you? What if something... What if Chase Young decides two weeks from now, I'm, I'm not, you know what, I don't want to play football. I'm going to go do something else in my life. Now you can't even pick him. You got to have a plan B. So, I mean, that's a far-fetched scenario. Don't get me wrong. But my point is, like, you've got to cover your bases. You can't just say, oh, we're taking this guy. What if the Bengals take him, right? <laughs> and, right. And, and they've surprised you, right? And now you've got to figure something else out. So meet with the quarterbacks. Know what your options are. Free agency for quarterback this year is going to be very weird. There's going to be some very good players that, that, that don't have starting jobs that are going to be interesting um, possibilities. And, you know, one of those guys is a guy that played quarterback for Ron Rivera for the last, what, eight years? So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's – I, I think they're considering everything at the position, but certainly Dwayne Haskins is the option that's right in front of them and, and probably the most likely. Because, I mean, you know, he was a first-round pick a year ago. Obviously, we know ownership's very high on him. Right? That's got right. to matter at some point. Even if ownership's staying out and letting the coaches coach, the coaches know what ownership thinks. So right. it has to factor into your decision-making. So I think the most likely scenario is Haskins is their starter. But 
I think they're looking at every conceivable option, and, and there are a lot of them out there this year. There are, and at some of those veteran quarterbacks, because you guys wrote about this, some of this too with Brady, what about, you know, where do you think, I mean, I'm not going to ask you where you, because nobody really knows, like you said, but what are some teams <laughs> who might be interested in a guy like a Phillip Rivers or a Teddy Bridgewater? Because, so, again, I think, like, if they're looking for a plug-in, you know, guy to plug in right now, maybe you go after a guy. I just – I have a hard time seeing these guys spending that much on a quarterback. And just for the record, I, I think it's still a long shot for Alex Smith. But, but where do you – what do you – what kind of teams right. are going after a guy like a Teddy or a Rivers or, you know, Mariota? Just on Washington real quick, though, I mean, like, Alex Smith's still on the, the payroll and salary cap. Yep, so, like, to add a big spend at quarterback – and increase your overall spend at that position when the biggest one isn't even planned conceivably, you know, right? That, that's a tough, that's a tough sell, especially it's when there's other tough. holes to fill. So in terms of where those veteran guys, I mean, you, you've been doing this long enough to know that quarterback is in the eye of the beholder, right? right? If Bruce Arians doesn't want Jameis Winston back, or if he thinks he can upgrade, we look around and go, well, who's going to take a shot on Jameis Winston? Well, maybe somebody, maybe, and I'm, this is just speculation, right? Maybe John Gruden thinks Jameis Winston is great. Maybe Anthony Lynn thinks, oh, we can work with Jim. You know, so, so that's, the, that's the interesting part of it. You hear guys connected, and sometimes it's people with an information, and sometimes it's people just making the connection, right? Everybody wants to put Philip Rivers in Indianapolis because he knows right. Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni from when those guys were in San Diego. Uh, but somebody said to me in Indianapolis, those guys were in San Diego. They also know the problems <laughs> with Philip Rivers, right? I mean, like he's not going to move around. He's, you know, he's interception prone, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe, maybe their knowledge of him makes them less likely to go that way. So, you know, I, I think it's Brady, Tom Brady's the big domino. And I think once he figures out where he's going to be, um, a lot of other things will fall into place. If Tennessee thinks they can get Tom Brady, they, soft, they, they slow play the Ryan Tannehill negotiations, right? But if Brady resigns with New England, maybe Tannehill's their next option. Maybe not. Maybe they like Philip Rivers. Maybe they like – I think Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater is going to get interest. I mean, you hear him connected with Tampa. You hear him connected with Las Vegas. You know, you hear him as a possibility with the Chargers. So, I mean, I think there's, there are people that are interested in him, still young, offers you a couple things in terms of his ability to move around, probably won't cost you as much as some of the other options on the market. So – I think he's going to be an interesting one to watch. And I think, you know, it's interesting here because, again, because they're, you know, like you said, they're not being talking to people here. They like Dwayne, but you're right. They don't know where he's yeah. going to go just yet. And they know that Alex Smith might be a difficult one to, um, to count. It's certainly a difficult one to count on right now, which means you have to get sure. somebody else. And so, like, then you try to figure out, well, what level of a free agent could you get? But then I also think then it's going to depend on you might just have to wait to see how this market shifts out or shakes out sure. to see who's in that seven to ten million dollar range where you might be comfortable doing something. Right. It, who's left without one of the musical chairs? Right? right. How much of Nick Foles' salary are the Jaguars willing to pay to get rid of them and start Gardner Minshew? Right. Like that kind of stuff is where you have to where you have to start making your decisions, right? Like, okay, well, we, well, I didn't know we could get Jameis Winston for $10 million. I thought he was good looking for 30, but now he has no, he has nowhere to go. And this makes sense. Oh, I didn't know Carolina was going to ask for so little in return for Cam Newton. Right. This is all hypotheticals, 
but it's all stuff that could happen. And I think the key is to understand that we're in a very fluid situation with this quarterback market. And you're absolutely right. If you're, if you're a team like Washington that has options, that spent a first round pick on a guy you like last year is wants to develop in, you have to, you have to wait and see what happens in terms of who's available and at what price. I don't think they're in a position to break the bank and go to $25 million for another quarterback or more. So I think they have to wait and see what their options are in the price range that makes sense for them. A couple other things. James Bradbury, cornerback. How do you mm-hmm. see the market for him? Supposedly pretty good. I mean, we're hearing Byron Jones at, at the top of the cornerback market. And, you know, you've been to the combine, you hear numbers thrown around. And, you know, somebody's saying $17 million a year, close to it for Byron Jones. And Bradbury looking for 15 And it wouldn't make – it wouldn't be crazy to think if Byron Jones got that much that Bradbury could slot in behind him. You know, you have a coach there that knows him well. Um, makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, look, everybody needs three starters at that position. So, like, there's always interesting corners. And, you know, Denver's going to be aggressive on the cornerback market. Detroit's going to be aggressive on the cornerback market if they move Darius Slay, maybe even if they don't. Philadelphia is going to be aggressive on the cornerback market. Dallas is going to need someone if Byron Jones leaves. You know, it's, it's going to cost money to get those top guys in this free agent market at that position. And, um, and so I think James Bradbury is going to be, you know, a very wealthy man when it's all said and done. He is, and I, and I, you know, I think these guys will have interest, and I also think they're going to have interest in like a running back like Kenyon Drake. To be honest, I think he's a guy that will be mm-hmm. on their list as well. And but it's it's hard after last year with the running back market because you know what are teams going to be willing to pay when you see some of the return yep. on investment by other teams? Last year we came out of Indy, and like the hot name was Tevin Coleman. Like you're not going to believe what Tevin Coleman's going to get. He might get more than Le'Veon Bell, Bob. He ends up taking what four years to sign with, right. with the 49ers and like a like a part not a part time role but part of a committee kind of role and, and I think these running backs I don't know what Melvin Gordon can expect to get I don't know what Kenyon Drake can expect to get I don't know what Derrick Henry can expect to get except maybe a couple of franchise tags I, I, I think it's tough for that position and what makes it even tougher is the way that Todd Gurley and David Johnson deals have worked out so far which is to say not well. So I think, you know, teams are, are having that conversation with these guys and their agents. And, you know, I, I don't know that any of these guys are going to break the bank at that position, nor do I think necessarily that they should, given the volatility of it and given the way they wear down. And then last topic, Trent Williams. <laughs> yeah. Still involved in this. How do you see this one shaking out? Most of the people I talk to in Indy expect him to be traded, but I don't think they have direct knowledge of the situation. I think it's a matter of just saying this is what makes sense. I mean, I, I think the key with Trent is contract. I think if, 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 and I don't know, you're closer to it, obviously, if they got rid of all the people he was mad at, um, then he's still going to need a contract. He's still not going to want to come back for non-guaranteed money. You know, Rivera's talking tough. And that's fine. I mean, you know, it's, it's, if you don't want to extend a guy just because he's sitting out, that's fine. I mean, the guy can sit out. But I think he, he's someone that they'll be able to get something for if they do trade him because the tackle market's not great. Uh, there are some good ones in the first round, but, you know, it, it's tough to count on that right away. So I, I think he'll – I don't know that he brings back anything like a first-round pick, but I think they could get 
a nice pick or a couple of picks or maybe even a player in return uh, if and when um, that situation comes to a head. But whatever team is uh, is trading for him knows they're going to probably have to, to rework the contract as well. So that can affect your – yeah, the best thing would, for him and for, for Washington, obviously, would be some kind of resolution where he comes back and plays. Right. But um, I, I haven't heard anything yet to indicate that that's likely. But I also haven't – I also don't know that I know how it's going to turn out otherwise either. Right, and I think I'm in that same position because they don't have to do anything. If they really wanted to, you say, you're going to play a 12-5 this year if you want to play. And yeah. then they can address this position next year, let him go in free agency, get a comp pick in 2022 or whatever it is, and then move on. But mm-hmm. it kind of pushes off that decision a year, so you don't have to spend money or draft resources this year. On the other hand, if you really want to trade him, if you think you want to get value from him, then maybe you can get a second and a fourth or a second and a third, which mm-hmm. I think is probably the best that I was told that they were offered in, you know, before the deadline um, this past fall. If he doesn't want to play for you, then that's a pretty good deal. Uh, you yeah. know, but I mean, yeah, if you really are going to put Dwayne Haskins back there and want him to develop, it, it would be, it would behoove you to try and figure out uh, how to get Trent Williams to come play for you. Absolutely. Dan, I appreciate your time, and, and I hope you feel better. And always, you know, for anybody listening, <laughs> check out his work on ESPN. Does a good I'll job on TV, TV and online. And, and so I hope you feel better. My, my pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. After this break, I'll be back with your mailbag questions. What would Alex Smith's cap hit be if he's cut this offseason? And why I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, now it's just you and me, podcast mailbag time. Let's get right to it. There's a few. At Trey MB wants to know, chances we add another RB either in free agency or the draft. Trey, I think they're very high. I've mentioned this before, but you have to look at the backfield now. Adrian Peterson, who's he, like 35 years old. Darius Geis coming off another knee injury. Nobody really knows what Bryce Love can do or when he'll do it. I know they still love his talent, but you don't know until you're out in the field Not going to know. So there are questions there. Chris Thompson's a free agent. At this point, I don't expect him back. So yes, they need help. And the one guy who I think they could and will pursue if he's free is Arizona running back Kenyon Drake. I had one league source tell me that's what he thinks the Redskins will do based on the chatter that you hear. Drake would be a good fit, a back who could help both as a runner and as a receiver. Ron Rivera has talked about having versatile players. That's what Drake would be. Don't know what it'll cost. Figure maybe around eight. I don't know. Would not spend a ton on a running back, but I think he'd be a good fit. The only thing here is I did have someone tell me the other day they don't think Arizona's going to let him get away. So this might be just something you talk about now, and then it's a moot point because he sticks around. But I think it gives you an example of what they're looking for, whether it's in free agency or the draft. So I think that's the point here. Um, Also, and I had someone else tell me, as the way the Redskins are constructed – I think we're looking at another year where they're going to want to run the ball and play really good defense. So you get a guy like Kenyon Drake, whether again, whether it's him or somebody like him in the draft, um, maybe a tight end to help there. Clearly they need one there. So yes, you get a tight end 
And then you draft a guy like Chase Young and you build a what they hope is a dominant side of the ball. <clears throat> All right. Um, at Think4224, is Trent really asking for $25 million? Whether it's that exact amount or not, I'm not positive. Would he ask for the moon? Yes. So more than 20? Yeah, I have no doubt about that based on things that you hear about from the past, you know, his demands, whatever. Doesn't mean he'll get it, but he views himself as a highly unique left tackle, a unicorn of sorts at that position, still the best in the game in his mind. Now, the top tackle money is going to be around $19 million or so by the time the season rolls around, especially once Laramie Tunsil gets an extension from Houston. Trent believes he has five, six good years left at a high level. So yeah, he's going to shoot really high. I'll just say that. The exact amount, don't know. But yes, I feel I feel pretty safe in saying it's more than 20. I don't believe that would shock anyone in charge from past regimes here. Stephen Robinson wants to know, um, greetings from Liverpool. How will changing to a 4-3 front improve the Redskins' D? Which players on the periphery do you think are most likely to benefit from that change? Well, I don't know about on the periphery, but what I would say, Stephen, more than anything, I think it's the change in coordinators. Jack Del Rio has a good track record, and that will matter. I think that his, he noticed the lack of communication on film or the poor communication on film. I think when you have a defense that can simplify the rules and keep everyone on the same page, it's a lot easier to then communicate. For several years, I did not champion a switch to a 4-3 for a couple reasons. It wasn't about their, their failures weren't about the scheme or the 4-3 or the 3-4 as much as it was about so much else, talent, coaching. Last offseason was the first time I felt they could really make that move, and I know it was debated internally. Had they been able to hire another defensive coordinator last offseason, it would have happened. I do believe not having Ryan Kerrigan, for example, drop anymore will be a good thing. I've had several people within the organization who told me that, yes, they, they got tired of seeing that. And, and so I think that's something that one of the things that will change. Clearly, I think some guys will be using better spots for them. Kerrigan being one of them. The 3-4 wasn't the problem as much as it was the fact that they never had an elite athletic outside linebacker, nor did they have a true nose tackle. If you're going to play that, you need those two things. If you're going to play it well. They also had suspect um, coaching for too many years, and this goes back the entire time they've been in the 3-4. Their sins, though, often occurred in the nickel packages. That's why I think that's where that's where I think the coaching comes into play um, because that was an issue. And, you know, so they're going to have to improve there, whether you're in a 3 4 or 4 3, because you're playing that sub nickel packages or sub packages 75% of the time or so. But I do think that going to a 4 3, I think some of the linemen will be better suited to that. Um, you know, whether it's Allen and Payne, Ionitis, I think they're going to do pretty well in there. Um, I think they need to settle their linebacker rotation, though. Um, as I told you last week, look for Cole Holcomb to play on the outside, whether Sam or Will. I think some of that depends on Reuben Foster. He would play a Will if he's able to be out there. Don't know that yet. Sean Dion Hamilton inside. And also, they still like, and I think I told you this last week, but I was told this a couple weeks ago, they still like John Bostic, and I think he's the guy that they would welcome back um, because you know you're not going to have to pay a lot for him. He's a smart guy, and I think he's a good. He would be a, a nice addition to, or a nice um, guy to keep around. Trey 007, based on what you've heard so far, do you think it's Young or Tua? Well, Trey, based on what I've heard, I think it's going to be Young. I think it's him or a trade back if some team gives them a huge haul, and that's where Tua enters. I do think there's some level of interest in a guy like Tua. And listen. How the hell do you not check them out? This franchise hasn't won a playoff game and since 2005. They're coming off a 3-13 and year, and there should be no reason that you don't check out every player if you think this guy can help you. 
he's a guy that many considered the best in the draft, if not for the hip injury, right? So, and the Skins have a quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. They aren't sure yet what direction he's really going to go. Now, that said, everything, and I mean everything I've heard about him this offseason, has been good. I don't go by videos posted on social media because what do those really show but a snippet? I'm going to go based on what I've heard. And from multiple people, Rivera said it publicly, but I've also heard privately people talking about how much he's been in the building and how much he's interacting with teammates. One defensive player told an acquaintance that he almost never talked to Dwayne during the season last year. He was indifferent to the rookie QB. Not that he disliked him, just indifferent. Now he's gotten to know him well and really likes him. Haskins is a low-key guy. Even if he's into the flash away from the field, he's low-key around the locker room. But now the players are seeing the work he's putting in, and trust me, that makes a world of difference because it's a continuation of what they saw at the end of the year, and I think that's important. That said, again, the Redskins owe it to themselves to check out everything. It's also about keeping other teams guessing, so in case anyone wants Tua, they're going to have to try and trade the number two to ensure to get him. So maybe they give up some huge haul that the Redskins can benefit more from than a guy like Young. I do believe they think Young is the best player in the draft. I've also talked to a few people who don't buy the interest because they know of Dan Snyder's affection for Dwayne Haskins. I did have one person tell me that. He said, he doesn't, I asked, why don't you buy it? He goes, because of, Dwayne, because of Dan, how much he likes Dwayne, but also because this guy felt like Dwayne played well at the end of the year. So in other words, and this is a guy that I would say was not high on, on Haskins or not as high on Haskins or, or very skeptical of him. But based on what this guy saw at the end of the year, you know, I think he's, he felt like maybe it made sense to keep going that direction. That doesn't mean they'll, they'll be wrong for taking Young or that just because of Snyder's love for Haskins. I know the defensive co- coaches are excited about the possibility of taking Young. And I know there's concern about Tua's durability. So there are reasons to go in that direction. That's why, for now, I think it's Young. And like I said on last week's podcast, I think this is as much about drumming up interest in possible trades for the second pick as anything. Okay, Seth, and it's SE and a bunch of Fs. What type of return do you think we could get for Trent Williams? Okay, I was told by someone a few nights ago that nobody offered them a first-round pick last year for him. I know there's talk about the Browns wanting to do so, but somebody I trust shot that down and said that, in fact, Cleveland may have made them one of their worst offers. I know New England was in on something until they found out what his price tag would be. This person felt that the Redskins, and this guy's not in the organization, but he's based on chatter, felt the Redskins still believe they could maybe get a first-round pick for him. I think that's going to be difficult. Um, I, you know, There are some teams in the draft late in the first round who need tackles, but when you look at the teams that are there, Minnesota, New England, New England backed out when they found out Trent's price tag. Minnesota doesn't have the cap room now, so it will be very difficult unless a few things change. So it could be a combination of a second and probably another pick, maybe a third, maybe a pick and a player. I think that's a, that would you'd have to put that as a possibility, right? Um, I believe, you know, one, um, so I think the problem here is Trent's contract demands could make it tougher to get that higher pick. That plus the fact that he's 31, has missed a lot of games, and again, that money. So you're giving up, you have to look at it, they're, what, what are they getting? They're getting a really good player. Still a guy who can play at a high, high level, but there are some questions there because of some things, you know, the suspension history. So I think that might keep the price tag down compared to what a guy like um, Larry Lee Tunsil got. Maybe not. It only takes one team to drive that up, but I, that's what I'm expecting as of now. Markian Howerluck, and I hope I pronounced that right. Can you walk us through the Alex Smith numbers and how they will impact the cap if he's released and if the skins cashed in on the assurance policy they had on him? Okay, Mark. Um, 
Um, Markian, it's not, he's not going to be released this offseason. Dan Snyder loves the guy too much. I would be shocked by this unless it was Alex Smith's decision to say, hey, go ahead and release me. Their wives are very close, and the four of them have spent plenty of time together. I think this organization really wants to see where, where Alex gets to with his recovery. I'm not holding out much hope that he's going to play again. I still think it's a long shot at best. But if they released him this offseason, it would cost them $32 million in cap space. Because of CBA questions, you cannot spread that out over two years right now. They do have the $12 million insurance policy, so that number would be obviously lowered to 20. I think he's going to stick around another year, then probably decide if he wants a front office job here or not. One thing I know, Snyder needs somebody from the organization he can hang out with. There's no Bruce Allen or Eric Schaefer or even Larry Hess around to do so anymore. Those are guys that, that he would call up to hang out with. There are some players he's going to call to do that. I know that. But he needs somebody older to pal around with during games and you know after games and things like that. That's why I think he's going to try and convince Smith to take some sort of role after he's done playing. I don't know if Smith will want that, but I know if, he, if that ends up happening, it would definitely not shock people who know Snyder very well. All right, um, last one, George Carmi. What should we expect in terms of free agency post Bruce Allen? It appears we have some money to spend. Do you anticipate us being aggressive? To a point, yes, I do. I know in the past that Rivera has not been a guy or the Carolina Panthers were not a team that chased big money players. I could see them spending a little to sign guys this offseason, whether it's Austin Hooper, James Bradbury. They've been linked strongly to Bradbury or even Amari Cooper. Now, I've heard multiple things on him. I've been told that some of the Bama skins have been in contact with, with, the, with, with Cooper. Take that for what it's worth. Again, I've heard both a few ways with him, but that's one thing I know. But it's hard to see, you know, then I also mentioned Kenyon Drake. It's hard to see them getting three big money guys, even though they do have the cap room. Keep in mind that Sheriff's cap, Brandon Sheriff's cap hit will be $16 million once they tag him. If they do all that, then I wonder about Eric Flowers and, and the ability to sign him. But you do have Wes Martin there who could become the starter. I know that they would like to keep both those guards. If you somehow trade Trent, now you're freeing up more money. You would need a left tackle. But then that depends on what your plan is to replace him. Maybe you get him in the draft, whatever. I think Bradbury, as we talked last podcast, could get $15 million per year. Hooper, I think, would be around 11. I do think they're going to be aggressive with the guys they like, and I do think they're going to sign a couple of these players because they fit. They're, they're younger. Bradbury, I don't know that anybody's going to think he's worth 15, but Hooper's a young guy, and they're both at a good age to, to at least grow with. So I think, and at this point, I think in this organization where they are right now, they're probably going to have to overpay to get guys to come here, despite how people feel about the changes. You still have to, I think anybody outside here is going to view it with some skepticism until it gets turned around. Then you're going to find it a little bit easier to get some guys. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do. I do expect them to be going after a few guys. Well, that's it for this week. I want to thank Dan Graziano for joining me. Check out his work on ESPN, on TV, on ESPN.com. And I want to thank you for your mailbag questions. And as always, thank you for listening. Talk to you next time.